0: From our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. This is the Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael. And today we welcome on the show Solaris, who I've known for many years. She's a wonderful astrologer, Tara, an oracle card reader, and also an associate marriage and family therapist. She is recently doing a show interviewing people on a show called outrageous it's an lbgt docuseries available on amazon prime and we're going to find out even more details about what she's up to but the main reason for having her on the show today is to talk about astrology and relationship it's a wonderful topic and i can't wait to delve into it but before we get started michael has a few announcements
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back, and we're glad to have you guys along again for the ride. Um, We've got all kinds of great shows in the works, and we're still firming up our schedule a little bit, so check our website, sixcentsociety.com, S-I-X-T-H, all spelled out, and you can get the latest info there. We'll post it as soon as we have everything ready. Um, And while you're there, buy us a coffee on Ko-Fi. It helps us cover a little bit of our production cost, and we appreciate it when you guys do that. Um, And we are recording a couple episodes, but we're going back to live streaming, hopefully, in the next episode or two. So... For those of you who missed the chat we do too and we'll catch up with you guys soon um so i don't want to take up too much time today because again we've been hoping to have solaris for a while and it's going to be a really fun show so i'm not going to drag this on any longer than necessary and so i'm going to kick it back to you guys so take it away krista
0: great thank you michael and welcome thank you you guys are awesome it's fun to have you here (laughs) We met, uh, was it 2009? It was quite a long time ago. Yep, you gave me a chance. It was awesome. Well, you know, honestly, I I remember interviewing different people for the position at the Bodhi Tree, and you definitely had all of what I was looking for. You were professional, you gave a good reading, and you actually had references that were true.
1: Yes. I love that. That's like a top tier (laughs) criteria.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I kind of learned the hard way. I used to kind of wing it, you know, hiring the readers, and that was not the greatest way to do it. I had a couple of interesting prima donnas. But Uh, but you've been an astrologer for quite a long time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, since 2005. I love astrology. Now,
0: I'm, I'm curious, I don't know, how did you get interested in astrology to begin with?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. So I've always loved it growing up, you know, I've always been fascinated by the occult and by mysticism and new age. And then when I, but when I basically like high school and college, I only knew like there were 12 signs. And you know, you know, you're a cancer, you know, you're a Scorpio, you know, you know what those are. But I didn't know you can actually look at all the planets and how they connected and the houses and like all the depth of it and then when I was 24 I started working for this timeshare resort and this amazing woman who was 65 and a brilliant astrologer she was sitting next to me every day and we had nothing to do for the first seven hours and then the last hour everybody would check into the hotel so we had seven hours where there was nothing to do all day long and so she started teaching me about astrology because we both have that as our passion and then I started doing you know charts for myself and charts for my friends and charts for their boyfriends and you know it kind of just expanded out and I always wanted to do it professionally but I didn't really know that you actually really could Mm -hmm. and so that was really fun and then i also wanted to use astrology as a discernment tool to kind of do like self-protection because you know as sometimes a single girl out there you have to use your intuition to see like who is safe who is loving who is kind so i had to use that as kind of like a self-protection or a safety tool for a while too
0: so did you get their information from
1: them right away? or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> being a Scorpio. Oh, yeah, being a Scorpio as I am, you can, uh, can kind of get a little subtle with it, and they don't know that you're getting their information. And then you, for me, I get like a download of information in my head immediately. It's like when you see a tarot card, you automatically will know all this information. So for me, that's what happens with astrology. So they would be like, oh, yeah, I'm a cancer, blah, blah, blah. My birthday was last week. And like in my head, I'd be like ticketing all this stuff.
0: <laughs> you have a good memory too i remember that you remembered my chart i remember after years mm-hmm. and i was like i couldn't believe you could remember it oh in yeah details about it and
1: oh yeah south node pisces north node virgo yeah yeah,
0: yeah. That, that's amazing
1: mm-hmm. so um you
0: know i realize this topic is huge but it's okay we'll cover whatever we cover and mm-hmm. when you think of relationship charts um it seems like you can approach it in different ways you can do it initially just through someone's natal chart or mm-hmm. you can do what you're talking about synastry where you combine them. I thought maybe we can maybe talk a little bit about briefly about
1: the natal idea and then more in the sinistry part sure yeah actually i actually predominantly use the natal version because what you can do is you can just basically bring up like your chart and the person you like and then you compare like the moon to the sun and you cross that and then you look at the mercuries you see do they have a link and then you look at the venus to mars because you want to see if you have a passion and then the venus to pluto to see if you have a passion and then you look at where your saturns are and you want to look at your south node for past life and your destiny planet north node for what your life purpose is and then you can put it in everybody else's houses so it's it's a kind of in depth but you can i always like doing it that way that's my preference but with Sinistry you can you can put it into the software and it will bring up like a compilation chart and you can look at that too
0: so i didn't even realize that there was that was different so why is Sinistry different what does it do differently than what you just described
1: yeah because i think it does put the the planets in each other's houses, it will just basically kind of like sandwich it together. And you'll see like your chart and then you'll see your person's chart like on the outskirts of yours. And then it will adjust the rising signs and it will create like a third chart that's supposed to be like your relationship chart. So you can go that way. Or you can go the other way, like for astrography, you can go with the ley lines and you can see where those are, Mm -hmm. or you can take your own chart and compare it to the chart of the region that you're going to or that Mm -hmm. you live in. So you can kind of do it multiple ways. Mm
0: -hmm. That's fascinating. I I hadn't really thought about it. So when someone comes to you, I assume being a professional astrologer that you get a lot of questions about love Mm -hmm. and marriage, even though I guess relationship charts could be about other things like business partners if you wanted but Mm -hmm. i assume like since you know i know we get mostly love questions oh
1: that's what everybody cares about
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and do you so when you look at their chart um how do you approach it as far as how do you present it in a way if you feel like there's something really challenging in it Mm -hmm. Do, uh, something maybe that's too easy. I've also read that sometimes things can be too easy so people don't have enough tension. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I've heard actually one of your previous guests, I think Josh would always talk about how if it's a trine people don't notice it too much but a square it's very impactful. So that's like that tension you're talking about. So so it's true. So sometimes people prefer the squares in astrology if you are comparing charts if you're looking at that you always want to have at least some aspect so even a square is better than having nothing because if you don't have anything in mercury's for instance then you just can't talk at all or like you're always having miscommunications but if you're fighting but you understand the other person's point of view you can repair it easier you can problem solve at least you'll know what's going on and then you have like a step up so it's true sometimes the squares are helpful
0: Now, I hadn't really heard before about the Pluto-Venus, and that's interesting, too. So Mm -hmm. what would be um, an aspect that would be maybe a positive aspect of Pluto and Venus versus a challenging aspect?
1: Yeah, so usually with Venus conjunct to Pluto, they look at that as being a grand obsession or a grand passion. So it's usually like if you're going to see, am I going to fall in love with this person? You would look at Venus, the planet of love, and Pluto, the planet, planet of power or you know, excessive, so even though Jupiter is a little excessive too. But you would look at like the intensity or the power of it. So the power of the love that you feel. So I feel like any aspect is good, like a trine or a conjunct or an opposition or a square. But if it's there's no aspect at all, then it might not help. And it actually adds to the sexual attraction. So say you don't have like a Venus-Mars link. If you have a Venus-Pluto, that can make up for it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Now I have, uh, uh, an old friend used to say that, um, If you looked at a woman's Mars, it would be who, the kind of person she's sexually attracted to, and a man, it would be their
1: Venus. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, And then with a woman, you can also look at the sun and the Saturn, because all of those are, if you're you're someone interested in men, then you would look at the sun and the Saturn and the Mars, because those are all masculine energies. But yes, for a man, you would look at the Venus and the moon, because that would be like the feminine energy or the woman energy.
0: Now, now, are you familiar with um, Yo- Carl Jung's uh, look at marriage charts in his book on synchronicity? Ooh, no, tell me. Uh, well, he I'm going to ask you a couple questions on based yeah. on it. I, I, I have a hard time reading. It's very statistical, and mm-hmm. he didn't finish it. He basically took um, how many it was like, I wrote down, It's was like 483 marriage charts, and then so it was 966 horoscopes that were randomly obtained, mm-hmm. and he looked at them statistically to see if there was some astrological correspondence and i think um he didn't finish his studies but he did see a meaningful connection between i think it was moon conjunct moon moon conjunct sun and moon conjunct the ascendant for marriage and he said Mm. marriage was different too from Like, a love affair.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. So, for me, I would look at the seventh house for marriage. But the rising sign, like the ascendant, I could see the moon being emotions and the sun being self. And the ascendant being, like, that's how you can connect in a dynamic way with someone. So, if you do have someone, like, let's say, um, like... For me, I'm a Sagittarius rising. So if somebody has a lot of Sagittarius planets, it would be in my first house, my ascendant. And that would mean I would have a very strong, like dynamic connection with them, which can be passionate. But I would say that, yeah, usually I would look at like seventh house. And then you can also progress a chart and look at the marriage moon. So if you progress your chart and you look at your marriage moon, that would be if your moon is progressed in Aries, Cancer, Capricorn, or Libra. So a cardinal sign. And that's when the, the relationships that you'll be in for about a year and a half will be in that, or actually, you know, it's going to be longer because it's 30 months. But in that 30 month time, would be kind of in like a marriage or in like a fixed like a uh, way. Whereas if it's a progressed moon in Gemini, you may not be having a commitment, or the people you date might not be very like relationship focused at the time.
0: I have not heard of the progressed marriage moon, so mm-hmm. I, I forget how long does it take for the moon to progress? Mm. I know that you can get like a whole cycle and I've gotten that done a report before, but I've forgotten how long it is. Yes.
1: So it's cool. So basically there's 30 degrees per sign and the moon will move one degree per month. So there's 30 months before it moves from one sign to the next sign. So you're going to be in a cycle for about 30 months at a time.
0: Oh, ah, and I've never heard it called the marriage, to progressed marriage moon. That, mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of ways. And yeah,
1: I've heard the seventh house. Mm-hmm. Um, like when Jupiter transits through there, that's very promising for relationships. Saturn can give you like angst, but it could also give you commitment because that's a responsibility planet. So yeah, there's and, so and, many ways.
0: And so the se- meaning the seventh house of that person's natal chart. Mm hmm. That that could be important. What about the rulership connected to the seventh house? Would that also be important? What was going on if it was ruled by Jupiter Mm -hmm. or by uh, the moon or something? Would that also be important?
1: Yeah, I think so, too, because I think it definitely connects. And, you know, you would look at the transits that are moving through that seventh house at that time. So it could be like, for instance, I'm a Sag rising. So Gemini is my seventh house and we have Mars right now, which mm-hmm. just went direct. So that's moving through that. So that would represent like men in relationships or commitment. So it doesn't have to be just that. But then if I was going to look at the ruler, so Gemini would be Mercury ruled and it's retrograde right now. Mm-hmm. So it might be about me connecting with people from my past. Which happens anyway, during retrograde.
0: <laughs> that, that is that is one true true thing about retrograde in general. Mm-hmm. Now, when someone comes to you and if you see if they have, uh, maybe they have a very challenging chart around a uh, relationship, how would you go about finding a way for them to get beyond it? Uh, mm. I, I know that some, I have heard some astrologers think that, you know, this chart, Um, I heard this actually on a Vedic astrology channel according to him he wasn't supposed to be able to get married Ooh! he didn't say what it was but he he said you know that there's ways around things Mm -hmm. so he had some kind of a challenging thing and he's married with kids nice Um, so I I, I do believe there can be challenges Mm -hmm. that are very difficult in relationship because I mean I know from reading cards there are so how do you handle it when someone comes and you can see that and maybe they even have a history of it?
1: Yes, that definitely. So there actually are birth years that are more challenged with relationships than others. So for instance, if somebody's north node, which is the destiny planet is in Libra, which is marriage or commitment or Leo, which is like romantic love, those people come here to really learn and master commitment and romantic love. And so it would be a little more like specific. So I would try to use the person's like chart to see what they're. strengths are and then where they need to grow or understand and kind of connect the two of them libras would need to learn how to be less selfish and more commitment oriented knowing that partnership will benefit them more than being alone because they've mastered aries energy which is Mm -hmm. all about like being alone and independent and autonomous and that's good but they're meant to be more like partnership oriented so seeing what kind of compromises they can make which will lead them to relationships that will last and then with leo they've usually they don't have a very strong sense of self because they want to save the world and they're very humanitarian so that's very like they've mastered friendship energy so it would be about like how do you apply your friendship energy to a romantic relationship to give it that stability and then also prioritize yourself and your needs and you know make choices that are really self worthing or, or honoring of yourself So it's kind of about using the traits in the chart that exist specifically there and then also kind of using the North Node to to help you. And if someone has something like, let's say, like in your case, you have Virgo in your North Node, you clearly obviously are fine with relationships. But if you, let's say, you weren't, then I would say, okay, well, are you in your South Node? Are you in a Pisces energy? And how can you be in the Virgo? How can you maybe override being emotionally sensitive and be more logical and practical when making relationships? choices and is this a pattern for you let's look at that and then then my therapist hat, would go on and I'd be like let's explore this and then then that'd be a whole different thing
0: but (laughs) well I would say I was not fine with relationships because I also have Pluto and Virgo in the (laughs) seventh (laughs) house. but I luckily had very good uh I I had a reading with Stephen Forrest when I was really young and he he always gave good advice along with what he would tell you and he told me I was here to grow in relationship and to learn because my north node is, is in the seventh house too
1: okay so yes that's yeah. another thing if your north node is in the seventh or the fifth definitely you come here to master that
0: yeah and and uh, and the way he helped present it um, astrologers have a lot of power to influence for good or bad and and I think all readers do but mm-hmm. since astrology is really it's really coming into its own it's mm-hmm. so popular I so mean, popular. It's, it's mainstream popular yes um, do you remember like years ago where people didn't know their moon and ascendant and oh yeah they, they know didn't. things i don't even know memorize yep. i mean they know things about asteroids and uh things like i said i i don't even look at my chart that way and it's it's very good mm-hmm. uh, also makes uh, astrologers have to be on their toes because <laughs> yep. you can't be a fake astrologer no nope. <laughs> um, which there were some i met sure yeah <laughs> N- definitely not you but i i met some people that didn't know very much they knew like you know your sun sign or something they yeah. would present themselves as an astrologer and they they didn't do charts and things and that was a little <laughs> odd to me yes so um that's and that is a topic i, I think that's kind of interesting is is in in astrology it's becoming so popular i was wondering if companies will start using some astrological comparison in their employees like if they hire I mean, that could be positive or negative. Oh,
1: for sure. I mean, I notice that there are themes where people will have similar birthdays and they'll work together and it will be like, oh, wow, how is everyone a Capricorn here? You know, so it'll definitely combine. So definitely.
0: Yeah, that that does. I know that's happened at the bookstore, both bookstores I worked at. There's certain... Oh, yeah. there's certain and it seems like there was themes that went away for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like there was a bunch of water signs, and then yes. there, so it, th- that is true. But I was thinking that it, it's becoming so popular that I wonder if it's going to be used in a different way. Um, there's also as you. You know the the programs make it so much easier to cast a chart. So when, yeah. when I went to Steve, they were still doing hand drawn charts. Exactly. And and there are people that still do that.
1: Yeah, for sure, absolutely. That's why I got into maybe the relationship charts that I did because before the computer software, when I was doing it in two thousand five, it was you had to do it manual. So I had to you know do it, and that's the way I learned it. But yes, computer programs and apps. So helpful. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's very interesting that from the very beginning, you decided to use uh, the astrology for yourself because there's there's this sort of belief that you can't read it all for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I haven't found that to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have biases, and it's often good to go to someone who's an expert. You can do both. I mean, yeah. once I want to go to an expert, like I can take care of my health but still need to go to a doctor. Exactly. And that's how I look at it. So have you found it to be... Um, helpful. What are the things that you look for for yourself that you feel help you in at least attempting to meet someone that is compatible with you?
1: Yeah. So I completely agree. I mean, I'm spoiled in the fact that i get to be around the best psychics ever and so if i'm like crying in your reading room you will help me so i'm very 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 lucky and then you know with astrology consultation it would be like josh or brad or something because they're very genius about that so that was helpful but um yeah i definitely consult you know different readers and psychics because when you do it for yourself the problem is is that you can be so biased or have your wishful thinking it's hard for you to remove your own wants from it and get the clarity you need or you'll see it and it'll be very inconvenient and you're like I don't want to know that so that is hard yeah no it
0: is so now during the pandemic did you find because people were more isolated did you find people coming to ask about relationships because of that or less because of the isolation
1: probably I almost want to say the same. (laughs) I know that there are waves of time where people are more needing help, but I think in the pandemic, it was a little bit more the same. I've noticed that it did change the way people would have relationship problems like either they were in a serious relationship that was live in like marriage or boyfriend, you know relationship living together and then there's the stifling or you're getting on each other's nerves or you feel oppressed with your person or you're never able to see them because you're quarantined and they're far away so it was kind of like a few very specific scenarios people weren't really going out there dating and swiping on apps and stuff because they were just staying home quarantined so they were lonely so they would do more maybe like internet dating. But I think that that's interesting because that's while we've had Saturn in Aquarius, which was about restricting socializing. But using technology to do it, which Aquarius is all about, you know, being very social. But Saturn is about putting a stop to it for a while. So Saturn's been in Aquarius for the last two and a half years. So it was about the length of the pandemic we've had that. And then it made Zoom get popular and it made other Mm. TikTok got much more popular. And so it shifted a lot more of like technology and social media, which is very Aquarius. Mm. So it changed the way people would date and relate to each other and meet people.
0: Mm, that's very true. It'd be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out now that it's become more more normal, if you could call it that. Not really. It's never going to be normal again.
1: Yes. <laughs> if everything's kind of changed, I don't think we know how. Yeah, because well, um, yeah, it moves into Pisces on March 8th, so that'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see like the shift of that.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm very, we talked about this in the last show. I'm very interested in Pluto and Aquarius.
1: Mm, that's yes. going to be. society transformation. Yeah. That's but gonna... like in a humanitarian way. Yes. Because it's been in Capricorn. So, like all capitalist, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, depending on where in the world you are, but it's been very material. And now it's going to be, and it's been changing and revolutionizing like big banking and stuff like that. And it seems like it will go more into like a humanitarian situation. So.
0: Now, since we're talking a little bit about the the, um, the signs themselves, do you find sun sign astrology to have um, some accuracy in it mm. in terms of people getting along with each other or, yeah. or not getting along with each other?
1: Definitely. I mean, I feel like sun signs can definitely help because it is a portion of your personality that's important. But then let's say like in Michael's case, I believe he's a Capricorn, but then has like, I think you have a ton of Aquarius, Michael, I think. So I think that's no, what it is.
0: Ton of Capricorn. Ton of
1: Capricorn. Yeah. Okay. So, like, predominantly Capricorn. Yeah. So, people can have, like, an overabundance of that zodiac sign in their chart. Mm-hmm. And so then it would be, you know, they might definitely get along more with like more earth signs or something in a trine more compatible but it might be harder in like a square and ironically in opposition which you guys obviously are fine but it's interesting well i mean
0: i've i've had some i had a couple of guys i was interested in in my 30s i had the charts done and none of them worked out and they Mm -hmm. had some pretty good aspects yeah um maybe it wasn't meant to be and then with michael and i we have a lot of opposition yeah and i think that's I mean, the one thing I can say is sometimes we don't understand each other, but Mm -hmm. we're okay with it. Like, we're very
1: different in some ways. But your north node is Virgo, so you're meant to be more earthy. So it's good that you have a Capricorn.
0: Well, one of the things I personally find for opposition, I find opposition are you can reconcile. I find personally squares are really challenging, like Mm -hmm. Aries and me. I have a hard time with Aries. I've had one long friend, but sometimes we'd be walking along and I literally did not understand what he was talking about. (laughs) We'd be having these totally different conversations. And we were so different. But we had a long friendship for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's just that I accepted and I also knew – He was in Aries, and he did have Cancer rising. Mm, So that connected you guys. I have found the squares to my sun sign um, the most challenging. The opposition I can handle and and I get along with because uh, and some people say it's you know the same coin, different side of the same coin, and Earth and Water I find go together. So, Mm -hmm. um, but at some point I also am kind of curious what you think about the idea of young love let's say I, I'm looking for love when I'm younger and yes. not everybody marries anymore and yes and people that are mature let's say yeah. they've they've never married or they've already married and they're looking again in their 40s and 50s would yes. that be a different way you would look at the chart then or does it yeah. matter
1: no it's so interesting you bring that up so I actually had very serious relationships more when I was young than you know 30s 40s maybe because I didn't know better <laughs> and I didn't have to be so picky but you know I I was in a marriage moon cycle at the time so my moon was in cancer which is a very strong marriage moon but I was young I was eight, 17 18 19 years old so I went through it prematurely for marriage you know so like you were in a marriage moon you meet people that are very like you, you could easily marry them they're great but you yourself are too immature you're too young yourself and so it is interesting how sometimes it's like it will repeat, so it'll repeat later in your life. So you know, you always kind of get multiple chances. But that's what I kind of like about that. You know, it's it's in the four signs, so it's like Aries, Cancer, Capricorn, Vir- Libra. So it's like you're every few bits of time, you're you're going to have another one kind of come around again. So those but, yeah. are the
0: marriage moons those are the ones that are associated with marriage moons in the progressed chart
1: yeah those are usually the ones where you'll get married or proposed to or your your connections will be like all right this is a very strong potential for marriage if let's say both of you guys are evolved and you really choose to go forward with it so it's Whereas, like, let's say, like, in a you know Gemini moon, it might not be as committed. Or a Pisces moon could be very, like, fantasy-based, but you don't really get to be with them for real. Or an Aquarius transit moon would be, okay, well, this is going to be a best friend. Hopefully it can turn romantic, but maybe they friends own you, or that kind of thing.
0: Is it because they're cardinal signs? Mm. Aries, Cancer, mm-hmm. Libra? Yeah. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I, I've never heard that before. There's so much about... Relationship and then um, also what I was got I, I'm interested in a little bit more now is how you can see relationships with family members in natal charts like your grandparents and siblings and so again that idea that. You could almost say astrology is all about relationship, basically. Oh,
1: absolutely. That's what I feel like it is. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's true. Like I've noticed in people's charts that come in, if they have a fifth house of love and children is a zodiac sign, that could be like when they get pregnant or when the child is born. So it is interesting how it kind of lines up where you can see like your kids in the chart. And then sometimes you can also see events that happen with your parents. So it is interesting. And then
0: uh, transits, other transits that could be um, associated with commitment.
1: You were saying earlier, Saturn mm-hmm. could be one. Yeah, Saturn is a strong one. Um, it's, yeah, Jupiter is a strong one. And then where, which house your progressed moon is going through is even a big one. So that can also help. So, yeah, we definitely. Venus moving through the 7th is just lovely. It's a sun moving through the 7th or even the moon sometimes. It's like it's that two-and-a-half-day window of, like, this could be when they ask you out or when they commit or when you go on your first date with someone that you have a commitment with later. So it kind of can plant the seeds for later as well. And that's interesting because
0: that's fast enough moving that you can see how you feel every year during that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I learned this, I forget who, who it was, a, I think it was a, one of these goddess books and they They told you to watch your moon going through your chart Mm -hmm. and see what happens um, because it's so fast. And I discovered I would pick a fight with Michael when the moon was in Aries. Yes, absolutely. And it it was... Almost always. And the I, day. And it was really helpful. Yes. So then I worked with that more. I thought, okay, it's an Aries moon and it mm-hmm. d- it's not a problem anymore, but I was, it was really good advice.
1: Oh, it, it really is. Because yeah. if you're knowing like, okay, this is just a mood, this is a temporary thing, you can just kind of do lots of self-care and like remove yourself for a minute. So that's and, so and, true.
0: And that that's another thing with astrology too, from what I understand is it's somewhat like being born a woman or being born of a certain race is that you can overcome obstacles or astrological um propensities like if you have and not blame them, which yeah. some people, well, I do this because I'm such and such. And mm-hmm. I, I feel that's kind of a victim thing where you, you most esoteric t- teachers teach you, well, no, you can rise above whatever oh, for sure. the weaknesses are as long yeah. as you know what they are.
1: Yeah, at least they have a start where they're like able to identify it and they're not in the dark about it. But then, yeah, then they can choose to self-improve.
0: Now, the one thing I have to admit that um, when you get involved in astrology, even like like in my case, I don't want to really do people's charts, but I've read a lot and I like to look at my own. I got away from the importance of the sun sign. Mm, yeah, And it was, um, I think I was reading uh, Demeter George's book on astrology for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I went through almost the whole workbook. I can't believe I did that. Aww. And it, it's really helpful. But the way she talks about the sun it made me realize how important it is.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I,
0: I went back to thinking about what the sun is. And because she, she says it's even connected to your purpose. And that's a whole other topic. What is purpose mm. in the astrology? Because, mm-hmm. But she really goes on about it in such a way. It's really beautiful, actually. I can't remember some of it. And she reminded me that that's, you know, your sun sign really is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even like for me, knowing that and also what's aspecting it can yeah. really help in your own evolution with relationships, whether it's yourself or with other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. Cause it is, I feel like people's sun sign, it really will start to put like certain characteristics there. And if, but people get confused. So like, say they are, you know, a sun in Leo, but they have all these planets in cancer. They may be like, yeah, I don't know if astrology is right because I just don't feel like a Leo. And they wouldn't because they still have some of those Leo traits, but they would feel like they really identify more with the cancer. But it doesn't negate the fact that the Leo is there, and they probably would still like to be on stage. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually recently talked to someone that has um, Pluto conjunct Leo in yeah. the twelfth house. Oh wow! And and when I I told her a little bit about what I thought about, we were just having a conversation. It wasn't a, a astrological reading at that point. And I I said, wow, that's intense. And and she said it helped her because she never felt like the traditional Leo. Right. And, and uh, I think that, you know, when we talk about relationship, of course you, it all begins with you and knowing yourself so that you can then pick good relationships for yourself and, and know what, kind of style you are in love are you a kind of person that's a homebody like i am mm-hmm. do you like to go out a lot all these things matter for long-term relationships
1: i think yeah definitely and it's interesting when she wouldn't identify as a leo even though her son and her pluto are so strong because the 12th house is about hidden things so she may hide it or it might not be the like in your face kind so mm-hmm. it's like she still has those qualities but it might present differently
0: yeah yeah exactly Uh, So I was going to say something else about relationship just went out of my head now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't remember now. Um, Well, okay. So getting back to uh, the idea of working with people's charts professionally and helping them along the way. The other thing I'd be curious about, since we're talking about the progressed moon, I am curious is if they're when their sun progresses, which is much Mm. slower. Yes. Would that matter at all? Is that more of a kind of a, extra thing you might look at if somebody had a specific question that wasn't answered by the immediate chart
1: yeah I would say that can definitely indicate kind of like like you said a longer cycle but it would represent where you're shifting themes so if you were you know with you being a cancer it would eventually at some point in your life it would progress into Leo and so it might be that like the events in your life surrounding it are a little different maybe your relationships or how you connect to relationships are a little different and then when it progresses into Virgo much much later it would be maybe like a shift. People have this happen if they maybe divorce and marry someone else. It's like they've changed as a person now, and maybe now they're attracted to something else because they're in a different section. Or maybe like life throws at them events that lead them in a different direction. So, and you know, people can change jobs or, you know, it's kind of like their, their own feel kind of shifts. Or maybe they're, it's like you add that new progressed sun to your own chart. It's kind of like it gives it a little extra either like diluting of something or adding a little spice of something. So it just changes it a bit. And then tell the
0: audience what a progressed sun is, how that hmm. happens.
1: So basically it talks about with the ephemeris, where you have a chart that kind of changes over time. And so a progression is when you're seeing where your chart kind of evolves to. So it's kind of like an evolution or it's kind of like where life events are going to. I guess I think it's hard to describe.
0: <laughs> and that and then so and then is this correct the sun progresses 1 degree a year so it doesn't yeah. happen more than
1: maybe three times that you would progress into another sign right exactly depending on where like if you're very very early cancer you still have to go through like all the 30 years of cancer and if you're like late almost leo then you would quickly move into leo but then be there for a long time
0: right right Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah there's something to that one too there's some things astrological for me, I just look at the experience and see what really is working for me with everything. And mm-hmm. the progressed sun seems very powerful.
1: It is very powerful. Yeah, because it does kind of like shift your maybe, I wouldn't say maturity level, but it does. It shifts something within that makes it be a little bit more extra.
0: Now, something I did for fun recently, and I'm wondering if you've ever been asked this as a professional astrologer, can you look at a relationship with a dead person with somebody's chart if they feel a connection and not necessarily oh, romantic, sure. like uh, like let's say they're an actor and they mm-hmm. started dreaming about an actor that's dead and they don't know why and then they find out they have some similarities have have Mm. you ever looked at it that way with anyone or do you oh yeah
1: because i mean your astrology chart is your chart you don't have to be alive to have the chart so it's the same um i mean obviously you can't do like progressions if that spirit is not alive but you can still look at be like oh if they were alive maybe we'd be attracted to each other because of venus mars or you know wow we really knew each other in a past life that south node is really strongly on some of my planets so and you'll see like what your relationship was in a past life and who you were to each other and maybe the kind of environment you lived in so there's usually a lot of strong past life connections with people so it's interesting
0: and and so in speaking of the past life what do you look for primarily when you're looking at um a person's past life in general, the relationships they had to themselves in past lives.
1: Yeah. So I look at the south node, see what zodiac sign it is, and that will give you a bit of the theme. And then you see which house is it in, and then that gives you the other half of the theme. And it kind of talks about, like, for you as an example, being a South Node Pisces. So you've had psychic lifetimes, not a surprise, Mm. and you've been very spiritual and mystical, kind of more alone, Where, especially since it's in the first house, which is alone. And you've had lifetimes where you've been like in monasteries or in nunneries or in places where maybe you're just meditating on a mountain, very Buddhist, you know, lifetimes that have been spiritual and sometimes in seclusion. So it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, and I've also found, and I don't know if this is true for you and your clients, is that you can attract both North and South Node people easily. Very much, so yes. So the Pisces being familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the the Virgo people point the way for me. Yes. Uh, even if I don't get to know them very long. Mm-hmm. I, They'll I be life that,
1: transformational for you in some way.
0: Yeah, in, in some way. So that's something, I, again, I, I just observed on my own as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, in terms of uh, do people come together and relationship readings for you? Cause I know some people don't like to read couples together hmm. and do you like to, they say, we want to look at our compatibility. Do you ever do that? does it happen very often or is it usually just one person asking about someone that's not there
1: well I don't personally have a preference because I'll give anyone a reading but the challenge that I've noticed is like the delivery of it usually if a couple comes in it's very rare that both people are equally as enthusiastic about knowing usually one person's dragging the other one in (laughs) and they're like tell me and then you I have to as a reader look at it and be like are they trying to trick this person into something like are they trying to figure out some information that they don't know yet or are they just trying to look at like what will happen in the future for them and it's a, it's like you have to be a lot more delicate and diplomatic when both people are with you and you have to treat both people equally in a way like you definitely can't take sides and sometimes they'll bring up incidents and you can't take sides but um when it's just that one person in front of you I feel for me I can be a lot more uninhibited and I can almost get that person to be more like open and honest and authentic
0: And now you're also a therapist now. Do Mm -hmm. you find that has brought um, a different quality to your astrological
1: readings when it comes to relationship? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. It's very interesting because of just, there is a lot of overlap because basically it's both things are psychology and one is more of like a mystical one where you can do predictions and then the other, and it gives you like some insight and then the other one is more healing and it's interesting how both of them have like limits and then... The other one will make up for where that one ends in a way. So it is interesting. So, so yes, I usually will give, like, some therapeutic, like, light stuff in a reading if the client wants it, but it's usually harder to go the other way around. So usually with a right. the therapy patient, like, I actually don't even normally tell them that I do it, but then they Google me and they find out. So... <laughs> I wonder how Liz Green did it because mm. she's a
0: Jungian analyst. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if she kept it separate. I know she's. I don't know if she practices anymore. She must be in her eighties, I think now. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the Jungian people are drawn to astrology.
1: Yeah, they're like the hippie psychics. <laughs> 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 we love them. <laughs> I I think that I um
0: I appreciate. Uh, that people sometimes see that readings are uh, therapeutic for them. But I always tell them myself, since I'm not a trained therapist, that I'm not a trained therapist. Mm -hmm. I I tell them I have limitations and Mm -hmm. that one is legal, but two it's they, they you're right. They're crossovers, but there are some differences. And, like in in astrology and tarot you you can say things you just can't as a therapist
1: Exactly exactly and that's sometimes it's true like i have to be sitting on my hands as a therapist sometimes because i'll be like well obviously you had a miscommunication today when mercury's in retrograde but i can't say that especially if they don't spiritually believe in it cuz their spirituality will be most likely different than mine so that's that's different but yeah so as but as a, an astrologer i could be like oh do you want to learn some coping skills real quick do you want to review what a time out is so that you can go back when you're emotionally calm that's really effective so it's like much easier to give like a couple of quick pointers but the other way around it's a little bit like i can't just solve your problem right now by telling you this it'll be over in two weeks you know (laughs) which i wish i could do sometimes i have a funny
0: story when i was first reading in in halifax Uh, We read for this really lovely man, and he was going to a therapy group. He'd lost his wife uh, through death, and he was just a wonderful person. And so he brought all these different people. And I didn't know I was reading for the therapist. And I remember saying to the therapist that that she had an issue with anger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing.
0: I probably would not have said that if (laughs) I thought. But I said it. I mean, I said it in a way I normally would with a client. And um the 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 man that referred her to me he he laughed and said it was it was true and mm-hmm. and, and I'll never forget that you know it was just uh, and and you know I'm sure you in astrology you read for ther- therapists are often interested in astrology oh very much so and tarot yeah yes mm-hmm. so I thought that was really funny and. And I I, I think that I couldn't probably become only a therapist at this point. I think having the two is probably pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Because there is, like, a little bit of a break, so it's not so just, like, overdosed on one. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So – how do you, when, when, if you, if someone comes to you with a, a difficult question in relationship, like, should I get a divorce? Mm.
1: Um,
0: is that person cheating on me? Right. How do you handle that?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So basically I really level with them and I'll be like, all right, so you're asking something very, very serious. Do you really want to know? Is this really relevant to you? Like, I kind of try to process a little bit of like why they're asking and kind of be like, so you're going to brace yourself for whatever you tell, like, like I'll be so so honest with you in a really gentle way and we will really look at it if you truly want to. So like they have to really be like so so ready and sometimes they change their mind or you know and you know I can even say like to answer the are you cheating you know the person cheating on me I can be like you know do you really really want to look at that or do you want to look at how you can repair your relationship. So it might be more like that but if they're like yes I need to know are they then I'll just look, you know, I'll look at that. We're using the tarot cards, though. So unless they bring in the chart and the person they think maybe the mistress is or whoever the person is. And then I can be like, honestly, they do have a sexual attraction or know the sex is better with you.
0: So, you know, well, that's interesting So you'd need that other person's chart. That could be the third person. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. You'd have to be able to see that. I like that you ask them. Do you really want to know?
1: Yeah, because you have some to really not I think. them. Yeah, because it's just, it's a serious, heavy topic, like something that can be really injuring or painful. And I'll, and I'll even say, you know, like, well, I'll use the tarot cards on it and I'll be like, these are what the cards mean. So for me, when I look at the cards, they're telling me this. However, you know, this is just one answer for you. You may want to find like your own answer or maybe you can ask your person these questions or observe the behavior of when you're asking these questions or that kind of thing.
0: I've only once had a really scary question ever that I really took seriously it was I was working at the Bodhi tree and it was pretty early on this young woman walks in it was like noon and she sits down completely quietly and says am I still in danger I'll never forget it it was like so serious yeah and I was like oh my god I said to myself I have to like see you know Mm -hmm. so and uh I remember the reading and I told her basically that she was. Yeah. And I didn't know what had happened. It was a relationship thing. And Mm -hmm. she, I said that um, it would be worse this time and that maybe she could talk her way out of it. And what had happened was, she told me afterwards, her boyfriend had kidnapped her. Wow. And I held her. And so this time it was going to escalate. Right. I was so shook up. I remember like telling her to call the police and then I called Michael, but it was just, she really wanted to know that idea and it it was really it was really kind of scary but i if someone really wants to know that was fair you know yeah. and and i'm glad i said what i said and i hope she took it seriously but that yeah. um, that's one of the few times it it kind of shook me up too because it mm-hmm. it's um and and that's why i think doing astrology and tarot it's it's the consequences are I don't know when I started doing tarot, maybe because the way I would go for a reading, I never realized the the depths of some of the questions people
1: come to you with. absolutely. They can be very, very heavy and serious, you know? And I also think, like, with those questions, like, am I safe? Am I still in danger? Is he cheating on me? I think those are kind of, like, sometimes they come to us because they're really asking for permission. Like, they're needing our confirmation. Like, they... I think when they come in, they know. And they're either give, needing us to give them permission to, to do something they want to do or that they feel scared to do but need courage to do. Or they they already know and they're just looking for confirmation.
0: Well, that is a very common thing, I feel. And then um, especially it seems like Australia can, can give you insight into how to approach a relationship because you were talking about the mercury communication Mm -hmm. you can help them if they have trouble communicating or if there's some kind of easy communication to maybe make use of it yeah um so i think that's the advice that you can get naturally from both um astrology and tarot it's really quite useful. That's one of the things I think keeps me going with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Like if someone does not have a mercury aspect with you and you just don't understand each other, then you're going to be talking in circles. And it's like if you're speaking French and they're speaking Spanish and you just are not going to get it. So then you have to communicate without words. You have to find other ways to show either through actions or through other ways to communicate. Oh,
0: and that's a good question, too. You know, is Or not question, but an insight that um, people communicate in different ways. And if Mm -hmm. you could understand your partner's way, Mm -hmm. then maybe that would solve the problem. If you knew it was through actions, Mm -hmm. that they're not going to send you love letters, uh, because obviously that's a, a problem that I've heard, you know, that people want them to communicate a certain way. yes and mm-hmm. if you could understand their way then you can relax
1: and say, well they are telling me they love love me through their actions definitely and sometimes you can get like a translator so let's say that you and I say like your mercury's cancer and mine is let's say it's Sagittarius which it's not but let's say it's that and like we can't talk then I might get a friend who I can talk with who can talk with you and so I might be like hey she's saying this what does she really mean but that person has a link with you and I don't and then she can translate to me so like that happened a lot like I had this friend who was dating this guy and i had a link with him communication wise and she didn't but her and i did and so she'd be like he wrote all this stuff and i'm like he's really saying this to you and she's like it feels like that i'm like but it's not and so then she would say that to him oh do you really mean this and he'd be like yes so sometimes you can get like a third party to translate to make up for the the lack of communication link
0: i like that that's a really cool idea actually Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your show, sure, Outrageous. Now, you you interview people on the show. Yes. So
1: it's an LGBT show. So they come on either, you know, lesbian, bisexual, trans, queer. They're in the community in some way, and they are doing some kind of humanitarian thing. And, you know, there's a lot of persecution in sexuality and gender. So we explore a lot about, like, their story and what they've gone through and, you know, it kind of shows identification for people that, that need to see themselves or to see maybe identifying a struggle that they've gone through. Cause you know, we're lucky we're in LA, but a lot of people, you know, they're like in Kansas or there are places where that's persecuted a lot or other places in the world, you know, where you get killed for it. So, so yeah, that's my humanitarian thing. And we talk about like relationships in it.
0: Well, and that's a good thing to bring up in a chart can you see um some of these issues in the chart like a person that is uh wanting to become a trans person yep. if that's in the chart dominant is then you can encourage it what mm-hmm. how do you look at that do you get questions like that oh, around sure am i bisexual or oh
1: all the time and it's funny because like i will see if they're bisexual or gay or lesbian in a chart and you know it's always In my head, I think, do I out them? Do I ask them? Like, I just had somebody come in on Friday and they were like, oh, I don't know why I don't feel so satisfied committing to relationships. And they had Gemini in the seventh house. And I said, well, maybe you're polyamorous. And they're like, oh, wow, is that a thing? And so it kind of opens up their mind to it. Um, Or, you know, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, you could go for multiple people at a time or multiple genders. And they're like, I actually have thought about that. And so it kind of, For me, I'm always like, do I bring it up? I don't want to be looked at like, you know, bad, especially if they bring in their friends or their families or something. So that's always a little dicey. But but yeah, you can see sexuality and gender in a chart. This one time I gave a reading to this Aries uh, guy, and it was confusing to me because I'm like, this is just so weird. It doesn't line up, but I know my stuff and what's going on. And it turned out later that he was trans. So he was born a woman, and the chart was linked up a lot to him being a woman, but when he transitioned into being a man, when I looked at the chart, I'm like, that doesn't make sense, because he's softer than that, and and an Aries guy presents different Mm. than, like, an Aries trans, you know, woman that transitioned into a gender of a man, and, um, you know, I can get in a lot of trouble for, you know, delving into that and not being, you know, um, considerate enough when I talk about it but because I'm not trans myself and I don't want to offend people but it's interesting how with astrology it shows up softer for somebody that's a woman and then it shows up a little bit more maybe direct or they have more of the intensity of those qualities if it shows up in a guy so it's just it's just interesting
0: it seems like there would be room for doing something with astrology that was like um, like a sexual counselor. Oh, yes. If you had a training in, in being a sexual counselor and astrology, that could be a really interesting field, it seems like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I like it.
0: I'm wondering, too, if maybe there are certain transits or progressions that might allow a person to come out of the closet or... Mm-hmm. Or show who they are?
1: Sure. That would be anything going through, like, the 10th house, which is about reputation or being in the oh. public eye. So when things transit your 10th house, that's usually, like, secrets will come out or you people will open up or reveal it, especially if it's, like, Venus, you know, opening up about love. So it's interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's right because the 10000 is how society also yeah. sees you. Yes. Yeah. Mhm. I have to think about some people I know and wonder what was going on. Maybe I can find their charts because yeah. it, it isn't inter- I hadn't really thought. I've thought about the sexual aspect in astrology even though it doesn't seem to be um high I mean there are some books on it but it, it when I think about it, it is kind of overlooked a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm, in, definitely in, it's sort of a reflection of our culture
1: yes not mm-hmm. of the
0: individual astrologers
1: <laughs> yeah no it's it's interesting you know but and as our culture is you know changing and progressing it's it's interesting maybe that will start to become something in the forefront now that you know people can now talk about their sexuality and their genders because you know it's only probably been the last you know i don't know what 20 30 years that it's been okay even and even in some places it's still not okay so yeah it's such a shift well, I'm wondering too, I mean, th- this is
0: a whole other topic, whether or not we're in the age of Aquarius, which I don't think we are. I think we're in the transition. Um, but I think at some point we will just evolve and having no labels. Right. I think we're going to go into this too many labels mm-hmm. because we need to. And that at some point we're just going to be humans and yeah. whatever we want to do at any time, whether I want to date a man or a woman or marry or not, or be polyamorous it just won't be a big deal. Exactly. It won't be, our, we won't identify so much with that. But I yeah. know we need to now because it's, it's restricted. It's it taboo. is. It's taboo. Yeah. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so it's a growing pain. I, I. But that's my Aquarius rising that thinks someday we <laughs> won't
1: need labels. <laughs> right. Because it is, it's really kind of derivative from religious kind of restriction or judgment.
0: So I did want, I know we still have a few minutes, but I want to make mm-hmm. sure that people know how to contact You and your website is fairyastrology.com. You also will mention, talk about this a little bit. You have a YouTube channel now, Solaris Fairy Astrology and Tarot. And tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so it's funny. So pick a card readings have been around, I guess, for the last few years. They got really popular during the pandemic, but I was watching them, a few of them maybe the beginning of the year. And I was thinking, wow, that's really cool. I can do that. And then I thought, oh, I can imply, like, apply different creativity and artistic talent like to that too. So I created a YouTube channel where I do pick-a-card readings about relationships and do different topics. And then because I've been traveling a lot lately, I'll do them from France or the Caribbean or... England I'm going to so so these different like locations so then it's kind of cool so it's like you can do a pick a card reading but I want to do it at Stonehenge you know so it's like fun so yeah you feel free to check it out and um I have tons of videos about relationships and you just pick the pile that you resonate with and then you click to the timestamp in the YouTube channel section and it'll bring you right to your video and
0: I do like the ones that have you pick something more than ones that just tell you something because you do have a choice as a, you know, synchronistically to pick a certain pile like that gives you as a person a little more distinction than the ones I've seen where people just pick the cards for everybody.
1: Right, because this is more collaborative because this is like now the person watching is using their intuition and they're picking the video and then the pile and then which one and connecting it to what they're going through at the moment. And then they could watch a different video for a different person or for later on in their life. And that would be about that section of time now. I think
0: for me personally, one of the reasons I wouldn't do it and I, I don't really... It's not my thing is I have so much fourth house I like the intimacy of the one to one sure exactly <laughs> like, I'm too selfish I want the reading only for me you know? so <laughs> well it's more dem- it's more intimate yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is it's a phenomena though I mean I have to admit it's it's amazing like how many people do it uh how popular it is. And um, from what I, I did look at your you do, do put a lot of work into your just the way it looks and mm-hmm. the time you put into it you put I can see you put a lot of thought into it some which some people do and some people don't yeah. you know the ones that do the pickup pile seem to put a lot of thought into it mm-hmm. even their presentation and uh, sometimes they will have interesting questions or themes.
1: Yeah, definitely. So
0: that seems to make uh, a difference too, like Mm -hmm. whatever. Do you pick a theme based on your intuition or more like what's
1: going on astrologically or both? Both. It's so interesting. I've even noticed even my jewelry and my dresses and my outfits correlate to like the month I'm doing them. So like when in Capricorn month, I'm like, wow, all my dresses are like black and burgundy and stuff, you know? So it's like even any, any color choices will even correlate to like the astrology of the day
0: yeah I think that that's you know one of the things about astrology that I've noticed is you you can definitely pick up the vibe on your own if you're just a little bit sensitive and mm-hmm. you can feel something's going on and maybe you can't identify it because you know we're all cosmic beings hmm and uh, it, I often found uh, early on I'd go to the an astrologer and they say oh you came at a really interesting time and I I didn't know anything about astrology at that point. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I, and I think I'm sensitive, but you know, there's many, many people that are sensitive out there. It's yeah. just about I may be listening to it.
1: Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of experience.
0: Yeah. Well, now I do. <laughs> then, then I didn't when I, but uh, I, I would say, um, you know, my first really, really powerful reading on my own happened to be an astrologer. Mm. And I happened to get an extra good one I, I feel karmically yeah I, my first reading was with stephen Forrest, a natal chart reading and it's still some things in it that are true but yeah. he he also is just a really really good reader mm-hmm. there's this ability to say things and to know how to uh approach a chart because there's totally. so many things going on in it
1: oh yeah like you ha- i mean if i was going to give an aries a reading it would be a very different delivery than if i was going to do it for pisces that would just you know the way you have to connect and talk to an Aries like you can't bullshit them you have to be like super direct and honest and they appreciate it whereas with a Pisces like you have to be more gentle and more like nurturing and hold them but yet not be so fantasy based that they're not really seeing the truth so it's a very interesting like changing it to (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that makes sense that that makes a lot of sense well we'll have to have you back on for other topics for sure I think that you gave us a lot of different ideas about relationship and some of your own, of course, experience, which we were talking earlier about theory versus reality when being mm-hmm. uh, being a reader, what really works, <laughs> you know, what is it really like to have, you know, Saturn transiting through your seventh house versus what the books say. Yes. So we appreciate you coming on the show and I'm really I'm really glad I met you too. It has yes. been must have been a little karmic because then oh, you, yeah. you recommended me to Mystic Journey. I remember you were working mm-hmm. there before me. And that's yeah. a- another place you can reach uh, Solaris is at Mystic Journey Bookstore too. So is there any last little tip you want to give people about relationship and astrology or just your own thoughts?
1: Oh, gosh. Let's see if I could give somebody. okay, I would say if I could give somebody one tip, I would say always look at the north node. That's not talked about a lot in astrology, but look at where your north node is in your chart and always try to do that, especially in relationships. So I would always say do your north node.
0: That's a really good advice. I like that. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. (laughs) And thank you all for listening in. Join us next time as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together.